Hello, and welcome to the White's Chapel Sermon Podcast. We're so glad you've taken the time to listen to our weekly sermons. This is a quick way to enjoy or even revisit a recent message. I want to share something with y'all, something that, that happened to me last week. It happened on Wednesday um, after, after Bible study. On, on Wednesday, I was getting to my truck and I was getting ready to, to go home. I got my truck and my truck, by the way, that has both license plates on it. Um, uh, got to my truck, I was on my way home and I, I turned the radio on. I turned it to, to one of my favorite country stations and, uh, and that's when I heard it. That's when I heard George Strait crooning out uh, uh, jingle bells. Um, Apparently, my country station had already flipped over to the 24-hour Christmas music programming. And you know what? They were late. My radio station, they were late getting to the game, at least in in like the Hallmark universe, because like the Hallmark channels have been doing their their countdown to Christmas since like the beginning of October. And um, and it's just, it's undeniable, friends. It is inescapable. That, that we are heading into this holiday season. We are entering into this holy day season. With uh, Thanksgiving and Christmas just right around the corner, I, I know, I know that a lot of us are already making plans, we're making plans to get together, we're making plans to celebrate, we're making plans to, to give thanks, and there are so many things that, that need to take place, there are so many things that we need to get done. There are conversations to be had, there are probably a couple of conversations that, that, that need to, to be avoided. But the great, the great temptation during this time of year, the great danger of this season is that we just, we just get distracted. The great danger of the season is that, that we forget. We forget what these next two months are supposed to be about. We forget the, the goodness and the greatness of God, all the things, all the many blessings that God has placed into our lives. We, we'll forget gratitude and patience, and grace, and mercy, and and love. We'll forget those lessons that we once learned while sitting around the kids' table. And I reckon that we've all, I reckon we've all got our own kids' table stories. Um, My kids' table story, my last kids' table story. I was actually 20 years old the last time I sat at a kids' table. Um, it, was, uh, it was my first Thanksgiving with, with, with Carrie. We had gone down to Beaumont, and uh, we'd gone over to her, her grandparents' house. And right when we got there, Carrie had a couple of, uh, of cousins. They were still in middle school at the time. And they just threw a fit. Uh, they, they, they made this, this epic scene because they, in middle school, they wanted to sit at the adults' table. And me, having gotten to sit at the adults' table, and quite honestly, frankly, I prefer the kids' table. I had no problem giving up my spot. Yeah, here you go. Um, so that Thanksgiving, 20 years old, Carrie and Carrie's sister and Carrie's sister's boyfriend and I, we had no problem. We gladly sat uh, at the card table that they had thrown together in the living room. And we had a great time. We had an amazing time. It was, it was awesome, except, <laughs> except for one thing, um, except for this stuff called oyster dressing that I got introduced to that Thanksgiving. Anyone oyster dressing anyone? Sterling, put your hand down. That's just, really? Anyone choir, oyster dressing? Oh, and y'all sang so beautifully before too. Um, I'm sorry, to, ugh, that, mm, oyster dressing, mm, it's not happening at, at, at our house at least for, for Thanksgiving, but it is nothing in comparison to what I did to Carrie uh, almost a month later. Um, it was Christmas time, Carrie had flown into Alabama and she was meeting my mom and my dad for the, the very first time. 
And uh, at Christmas time, uh, everyone used to come over to my grandma's house. We'd have Christmas lunch at, at grandma's. And I, complete, I completely forgot to warn Carrie. I completely forgot to give Carrie a, a heads up to how we did Christmas at grandma's house. And, and uh, y'all, y'all, please, y'all, please don't send me any emails about this, okay? Because we don't do it this way anymore. This was just a vestige of like two generations past. I forgot to tell Carrie that at Christmas time at grandma's house, all the men get together and all the men eat together. We ate together in the dining room. Well, all the women got together and they ate together in the kitchen. Uh, oh, no, 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 it gets worse. Hold, hold your booze until it gets worse. Because they only got to eat together in the kitchen after they'd made their husband's plates. I'm sorry, like I said, it was bad. Uh, we, we don't do it anymore, and poor Carrie, oh my goodness, poor Carrie, there she was, having just met my parents just like the day before, and there she is sitting around this table with, with absolute strangers. She doesn't know anyone. The only person she knew was gladly sitting at a table on some other part of the house. It was bad. It, it was awkward, to say the least. Um, but I guess it wasn't too bad. It, it wasn't a deal breaker, because... Uh, because six days later, I asked her to marry me, and she foolishly said yes. Um, uh, there, are just, there are just certain things about this season. More importantly, there are, there are certain things about our faith that, that we used to know. There are things about our faith that, that, we used to, that we used to cherish as kids, but they're the exact things that, that we have a tendency to forget about as we grow up. The joy, the the beauty, the simplicity of faith, simply just loving God, simply loving each other, the simplicity of faith, the simplicity, not its ease, the simplicity of faith. But man, we have just such a way of overcomplicating things. And that is never more true than whenever it comes to this season right here, to these two months right here, this season when maybe what we need to do most is just go back and sit at the kids' table again. The season when maybe what we need to do most is to learn those lessons we were taught at the kids' table again. And that's what we're going to see in our scripture for this morning. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and pull them out. We're going to be in, in the book of Romans this morning. So pull out your Bibles if you have them. If you've got a Bible app on your cell phone, let me encourage you to go ahead and turn it on again. We're going to be in Romans chapter 12. And this is, let me beg you, if you have your Bible, if you have a Bible app, turn it on because this is one of those passages that I really want us, I really want us to underline it or, or highlight it or dog ear it in some way. I would really love for us to memorize these verses because these, these verses, these are just a powerhouse sort of verse. Uh, this, this, this passage, it, it really shows us some of the most, maybe the most important lesson that we can learn going into these days. So again, we're going to be in Roman, Romans chapter 12. If you have your Bible and you're not really sure where Romans is, uh, it's going to be kind of early on. It's going to be kind of uh, near the front of the New Testament. So if you're flipping through, it's going to go Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, uh, then First and Second Corinthians. If you hit that, you've gotten a little bit too far, just flip forward a little bit. Again, we're going to be in Romans chapter 12 this morning. This is the Apostle Paul speaking to us. Romans chapter 12, picking up our reading with verse 9. And Paul says this, that love be genuine, hate what is evil, hold fast to what's good, love one another with mutual affection, outdo one another in showing honor, 
Do not lag in zeal, be ardent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in suffering, persevere in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints. Extend hospitality to strangers. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Do not claim to be wiser than you are. Do not repay anyone evil for evil, but take thought to what is noble in the sight of all, if it is possible, so far as it depends on you. Live peaceably with all. The marks of a true Christian. That's, um, that's what it says right here at the top of this passage in my Bible. The marks of a true Christian. A true Christian. And doesn't, doesn't our weary world need some of those right about now? And we could, we could spend the rest of this year, we could spend the rest of this year trying to unpack what the Apostle Paul was saying here, but, but if I had to sum it up, if I had to sum it up in just one word, this would be the word. Kindness. Kindness. Simple kindness. Us simply getting along. But you and I both know. You and I both know that that sort of thing, that's typically one of the, that's one of the first casualties of hard and stressful seasons. And I think that's my fear, really. I think that's my fear that, that we read an amazing, we read an epic passage like this. We hear these words about, about kindness and we just, we just kind of dismiss it. My fear is that we will dismiss this thought, that we will dismiss kindness as some sort, of, some sort of juvenile virtue that we don't really have time for when we're sitting at the, the grand uh, adults' tables of life. But get this, the Bible talks about kindness over 400 times. That means that it's significant. That means that it is really significant. It means that kindness is really important. It means that it is really critical. Kindness is really critical if we really want to be able to call ourselves really Christian, real Christians, real Christians making a real difference, real Christians making a real impact on the real issues and struggles and challenges of the real world. God, I love that line. Real Christians meeting real challenges of the real world. And we wonder, how do we do that? And I submit to you, this passage is our blueprint. We need to be Romans 12 people. And the truth of the matter is, Todd is right. We could break it down verse by verse and spend a lot of time between now and Christmas doing that. So for just a moment this morning, I want us to think about it as a whole. Think about this whole passage and what it teaches us about the life of faith, how to be a real Christian, how to be a true Christian. And as we think about this, I think there, there are two words that I think that it shows for us that we need to understand and practice in our lives. And here it is. It's the effect of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the effect of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, those words are interchangeable. 
Sometimes we use them in various ways at different times. In fact, Todd and I had a 20-minute conversation trying to explain the difference between affect and effect, and I had it completely wrong, and we had to kind of work through that a bit. So I want us to think about that, how we love, how we're kind, how we forgive each other, how we practice Romans 12 affects the world in ways that we cannot imagine. So let's look at effect. Here's a definition. Effect is to act on and cause a change in someone or something to influence someone or something. Think about it. When we live Romans 12, what happens is we affect others. We affect our family. We affect those we work with. We affect our communities. We affect our church. We influence people so that the gospel of Christ can grow in their lives. When we take this seriously, it affects others. It influences others. It tills the ground so that the gospel can grow in other people's hearts. I love the story um, the great Baptist preacher, Harry Emerson Fosdick told. A lady came up to him at church and she was talking about her neighborhood, her community, and how it had evolved. And her words are fascinating to me. Listen to what she told Dr. Fosdick that day. She said, we tried everything we could think of to make this place something other than a real estate development. We tried organized recreation. We tried community picnics and square dancing. We formed a women's club. We had bridge parties. We started a garden club. We had a parents organization, evening discussion groups. We tried everything, but it was not until the church came that we changed from a subdivision into a community and became real neighbors to one another. What happened when the church came, they started living Romans 12, started practicing loving and being kind and, and being honorable with each other, and it affected their neighborhood, it affected their community, and the love of Christ started to grow in others. My friends, when we practice this faith, we affect others. It touches their hearts in ways we cannot imagine. Todd and I got a letter this week that really spoke to me about how that happens because evidence of this truth is all around us. Remember last winter, there were some wildfires in Colorado and there was a little community called Louisville that was very much destroyed by the fires. And if you remember, we took a communion offering and sent to Louisville, Colorado. And we got a letter from a member of the church this week. And this is what he wrote. He said, ours is a small congregation the seven members of our church who lost their homes and the many families displaced due to extensive smoke damage represent a significant portion of our congregation. Your great gifts assisted these families as well as those from our preschool affected by fire. In addition, your funds helped provide gift cards distributed through our local schools and our community. None of this would have been possible without the kindness your congregation showed us in our time of need, it's the effect of Jesus Christ. When we love and when we serve and when we reach out in his name in ways we can never imagine, it touches people's hearts. It opens their hearts to receive the gospel of Jesus. Got another example this week. There is a lady in our community, works in a local business, and she'd been battling cancer 
and she had battled cancer with courage and dignity and grace, this beautiful spirit. In fact, she so amazed her fellow coworkers that her business decided they wanted her to make a video to give her testimony, to tell her story, because it would inspire and encourage other people. So they asked her, we want to film the video by the place in the community that reaches you the most. Where do you find your courage? Where do you find your peace? Where do you find the strength to live like you've lived? And she is not a member of our church. But you know what she said? And you know where she asked for her testimony to be videoed? She said, that place for me is right in front of our sanctuary when she sits out front and looks at the Jesus statue, she said, that's where I find peace. That's where I find calm. That's where I find insight. You see, she's affected by the spirit of Jesus. When we will dare to love and live like that, it touches others in ways we can never conceive of. It affects those around us with the gospel of Jesus Christ. But then secondly, it effects. So here's the effect definition. And uh, Todd and I debated this and we kind of worked on a better definition because mine was a little fuzzy. (laughs) So here's our definition of effect. The result of a change, the thing that is brought about. So if Jesus affects our heart, what we do with that when we live these, these principles, these ideas of how to actually love, that is what brings about the real change in the world. That's the effect of the gospel. When we take Romans 12 seriously, literally, we will become the hands and the feet and the heart of Jesus, and it affects others. It brings about real change in the world because we will start to live, verse 16, Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. I love one of my favorite stories, the late Dr. Bill Henson, for a long time was the preacher at First Methodist Church in Houston, Texas. And he shared a story that he got to do one of the big items on his bucket list. He got to go to the Masters at Augusta National and watch the tournament. And so he was so excited and he shared his favorite golfer was Arnold Palmer. Now when he went, Arnold Palmer was well past his prime. He was not in contention. In fact, his game wasn't that great anymore, but they invited him to play because he was a former champion and just a legend of the game. And Arnold Palmer, when he played, was still beloved. The galleries, huge galleries would follow him around. They were known as Arnie's Army because they just loved him and they supported him. So Bill Henson hooked up with Arnie's Army, followed Arnold Palmer around the course. And sure enough, he was having a really bad day. And he said he just yanked one of his drives almost out of bounds down a steep embankment in the middle of trees right by a creek almost out of bounds and he walked over there and saw his second shot and thought oh my goodness this is an impossible shot and so he was by somebody else in the gallery another member of Arnie's army and he turned to him and said oh no Arnold is in trouble now he, he, he's going to have to take a two iron and hit it hard. If he doesn't hit it hard enough, it won't get out of here. If he hits it too hard, it's going to go screaming across to the other side of the fairway and go out of bounds. I don't know what he's going to do. And the man looked at him like he was just crazy, like he didn't know what he's talking about. And he said, you've never been to the Masters before, have you? And he said, well, no, sir, I haven't. This is my first time here. And he said, I thought so. 
Because if you were here, you would know Arnold Palmer's not in trouble at all. You're right, he's gonna hit it hard, but he's not gonna hit it out of bounds. He's gonna hit it into the crowd on the other side. And he said, sure enough, that's what happened. Arnold Palmer got there, took the long iron, hit it right into the crowd. And as soon as it got into the crowd, there was a fan on the other side who loved Arnold Palmer, who stood right in front of the ball and let it hit him. And the ball bounded on the ground, bounced around. Other people started kicking it until it ended up back in the fairway. And the fellow looked at him, kind of smiled, kind of nodded his head. And then he said something so profound. He said, you need to know As long as there is a crowd at Augusta National, Arnold Palmer will never hit the ball out of bounds. (laughs) I love that story because that's the effect of the church. When we become Romans 12 people and take this seriously, we're like Arnie's army to each other. We're here to help each other and encourage each other and love each other and support each other. We are here to rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. We are here when we find ourselves in trouble that we keep each other playing the game. We're called to love like that. And where do we learn to love like that? From Jesus who showed us in his life and death and resurrection, that kind of love. We learn how to love like that at the communion table where Jesus said, I love you so much that I will lay down my life for you. This is my body, this is my blood that is given for you. And when we receive and and share his love, it's not ours to keep. We have to pass it on and we do that by being the effect and the effect of the gospel of Jesus by people who live and take seriously, verse 10 and 11, love one another with mutual affection, outdo one another in showing honor, do do not lag in zeal, be ardent in spirit, serve the Lord. My friends, may it always be so with us. Would you pray with me? Lord, we thank you for this great passage that's a blueprint of how to live and how to love and how to be kind. And when we live this way and dare to take this passage seriously, we will affect those around us. We will soften hearts so that the gospel of Jesus Christ can take root and change how we view the world. And Lord, when we will live this way, it will affect others. It will help us change, and it will help us bring about the change that we would like to see in the world. So Lord, come to us and fill us with your presence and with your power and with your spirit, and help us be Romans 12 people who follow you every day of our lives. These things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us. Please make sure to rate, review, and subscribe so you don't miss new releases. We'll have new podcasts coming out all the time. Be sure to check us out online at whiteschapelumc.com. Please download the WC Life app and follow us on social media to stay up to date with all things WC.